Friends, as we have sung those words, speak, O Lord, we turn to God's word together in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. And we read these words of God together, and we seek God's will for our lives through them. And so today, as we read 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 18, uh, just to know kind of where this lands in terms of our, our wrapping up of our summer series. We have spent the summer um, looking at the definition of the church, its, its marks and characteristics, as given to us in Acts chapter 2. And the four marks of the church are the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, which we did last week, and prayer. The church, as the people of God, is defined by these four marks, which are all behaviors, things that we can do together. And so today we finish with just one sermon on prayer. Of course, there's a whole series to be done on prayer. We kind of did that with our series on the Lord's Prayer already. But as we come to this day, um, I invite you to pay attention as you hear God's word today and as you read it yourself. Pay attention to the prayer. This is a a marked insight into the prayer life of Hannah in the Old Testament, the mother of Samuel. And you're going to hear that they're in Shiloh. They've, They've been in the house of the Lord where they go each year to worship and to sacrifice and to eat together. They have their own fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer and teaching that they devote themselves to. But as we get into just this zeroed-in moment on Hannah and Eli, the overseer of the house of God, I want to note that we're not focused on how the prayer is answered. We're not even going to read that far today. We're not focused on how the prayer is answered, but rather on how Hannah prays. And so I invite you to open your Bibles and and hold them open um, as we go through God's Word together. We'll be reading verses 9 through 18. Before we do so, as we seek God's wisdom in our hearts, let's pray for God's blessing upon the Word. Speak, O Lord, for we, your servants, listen. We listen not with ears, but we truly listen with hearts. We seek not to just have our memory renewed or refreshed, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through your word. Speak, O Lord, through your servant Hannah from thousands of years ago. May her example, may her living heritage in the scriptures inspire us and teach us how to pray to you with all of our hearts. So we offer all of our hearts to you today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 1 Samuel 1, verses 9 through 18. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, 
but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How do you know that someone is listening to you? How do you know you're being listened to? There's different ways we can answer that. I know one that I'm especially present to these days is a practice that we have with our children is we we make them look at us when we have to tell them something serious. And we say, at least I seem to say it a lot, look at me. So I know that you're listening. Look at me so that I know that you're listening. It's a really good way to get someone's attention. And and it's something about making sure that, that you're not distracted, your mind is not wandering elsewhere. Look at me so I know that you're listening. Of course, the hard part about that is we tend to get used to only saying that when something has gone wrong. And that can actually, I've noticed, particularly in my daughter, uh, make her not actually want to look at me when I say, look at me so I know you're listening. (sighs) These are the moments in parenting where I need to remember that it also matters a lot that when I just want to tell someone that I love them, that I say, look at me so that I know you're listening. Turn your face towards me and then say, I love you. And God loves you. And we care about you. We have to say the positive things too. Because it's easier to make, look at me so I know you're listening, only as a disciplinary measure. This can happen in all kinds of relationships. In friendships, in marriages, in parent-child relationships, even among siblings. Please look at me so I know that you're listening. And of course, kids are smart. This goes both ways. So now there are times where my children will tell me something and they'll say, look at me. I know you're listening. It's amazing how distracted we can be from really listening to a living, breathing person right in front of us. It's amazing how distracted and even passively ignorant we can be of people around us that we love and cherish and care about and and would pour out our souls and life for, and yet how easy it is to be distracted when we're talking to one another. 
that we all need that, that moment of saying, look at me, look me in the eye so I know that you're listening. And then if the relationship is good, to make sure that we have those zeroed-in moments, not only for discipline, but also for, I love you. How is it that we know we're being listened to? It's in the response that we, that we get, and it, it becomes this two-way street. And it matters a lot to us. If you're on the computer and your kid wants something, you might have heard the request, but they don't know that you heard them. Or maybe you're trying to have a conversation with, with a friend or with your spouse, and, and, but you're watching TV. Granted, you know, it's all reruns on sports right now for the most part, but you're watching TV, it's on, and you are listening mostly, but not with undivided attention. David Augsburger, in his book, Caring Enough to Hear and Be Heard, writes this, Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. We feel loved when we are heard. And we don't feel particularly loved or cared for when we get the idea that, that we are speaking but not being listened to. What does it take for us to know that God is listening to us? It's hard enough to get the attention of those around us. It's hard enough to give our attention to those who need it. How is it that when we pray, we know that God is listening to us? Uh, think about in the text that we've just read, the, the change in Hannah at the end of what we read. And the story continues on, and, and her prayer is directly answered. And this gives, this gives way towards the prophet Samuel, who is so significant in the life of Israel at this point in the Old Testament. But it starts with Hannah and with her prayer. And once again, today is not so much about what's being asked for or even that the prayer is answered, but it's how she prays and that the prayer that she offers makes a difference in her. In verse 18, she said to Eli, May your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went her way and ate something. And... Her face was no longer downcast. Her face was no longer downcast. Her spirit was no longer as heavy. Granted, it was still heavy. But her face was no longer downcast. Her demeanor has changed. And, and I just want to hold on to the fact that her demeanor changed before the prayer was even answered. For, for all of us as human beings... It is easy to give up on praying because we base if we're being listened to by God or not only on the results of if our prayer was answered or if we saw God do anything. But one thing that we learn from Hannah that, that we need to hold on to and cherish her example and learn from it is that Hannah's demeanor changed. She changed through the devotion to prayer. Prayer changed her 
before it changed her circumstances. We pray and often hold on to the prayer until we see if it has changed something in what God is going to do. But prayer changes us first. Prayer needs to change us first. Something changed in Hannah. In worship planning this week, one thing that that Pastor Audrey noted is, is that Hannah still has this burden. The prayer has not been answered yet, but she's carrying it differently. Because there's something about that moment of crying out before the Lord in all of her deep anguish and all of her hurt and all of her pain. And now that that moment has been had, she's carrying it differently. And I don't think that the prayer stops at that point either. We don't just have a a one-time run-in with God and then kind of assume it's been taken care of as if God is a filing system for our heart's desires. We should be in relationship with God. And so when we hear verses and, and, and see things like 1 Thessalonians 17, pray without ceasing or pray continually, we can have full faith that that was true for Hannah. She kept praying, but the prayer she offered changed her first. Hannah had tremendous faith that God had heard her prayer. And the faith and trust that God had heard her prayer was enough to start the change in her, even before her circumstances changed. She prays continuously, without ceasing. I wonder if when the Apostle Paul was writing the book of Romans, um, when when he was writing along and got to what we know as chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, Hannah has some words, but there's also things that are just not coming out in spoken words. I wonder if when the Apostle Paul was writing the book of Romans, if he had people like Hannah in his mind as he wrote about what it is like to pray in the Spirit when it is all about being connected with God. And it's not about fancy words. Jesus said in Matthew 6, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Hannah's words are few, though her prayer probably continues. Daily, hourly, by the minute, whenever. It's not about the number of words or the fanciness of words. But it's how she prays. Changes her. There is no mask on between Hannah and God. There is no pretending that everything is okay. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery, look at me. So I know you're listening. And remember me and not forget your servant. God, look at me and give me faith to believe that you have looked at me. Do not forget me, but remember me. Hannah offers this prayer first. She's bringing all of herself to all of God. Hannah is misunderstood twice, at least, in the first chapter. 
Her husband doesn't necessarily understand why she's so upset. Apparently, that's an older problem than today. And Eli definitely misunderstands Hannah. Eli, sitting in his chair by the door of the temple, sees Hannah and thinks that she is drunk. Now, it is interesting in Hannah's response that she says, I, have, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I have not been pouring myself more drinks to numb my pain. I have not been pouring wine or beer to distract myself from the conversation I need to have with God. Rather, what, the only thing I have been pouring out is my soul to the Lord. That's the only pouring out that is happening on Hannah's behalf. If prayer starts actually with changing our hearts, with that faith that, that God is going to hear us, will remember us, and will not forget us, then part of that needs to start with our own posture of prayer. That, that there is some time that we devote to God that is, is one-on-one. Where not only are we saying, God, look at me so I know that you're listening. But I think God could say the same thing to us when we pray to God. Look at me alone so that I know that you're listening or that I know that I'm the only one you're talking to right now. Because this prayer wasn't meant for Eli to hear. It wasn't a confessional that she offered to a priest. This prayer was to God and to God alone. And the heart and the passion in it are so easily misunderstood. All that Eli could see was someone who might need to be gently removed from the house of the Lord. And maybe Eli can teach us something this morning, too, to not make assumptions. When we talk about prayer, I want us to start with between us and God, where we're both having a look at me so I know you're listening. Often, Christians can get kind of a bad rap for the ways in which we choose to pray for people in ways that have not been asked for because we make assumptions. That we make assumptions about what someone wants without actually having any conversation or relationship with them. I wonder if Eli was a little bit taken aback, and that's why his response in verse 17 is, go in peace and may God grant you grace, because he, he kind of messed up. For us in the church, we pray for one another. This should be a core defining characteristic of who we are. But do we ask wisely how we can pray for and with someone? There's stories that you probably know, some stories that I know of a few different friends um, who have been told in conversations with near strangers, don't worry, I'll pray for you to find someone. Did I say I was asking for a relationship? There have been uh, people who have been prayed for kind of in a random, like a flash mob prayer gathering. Uh, a friend of mine has a condition where she grows no hair on her body, so she's bald and no, you know, no eyebrows or anything. Um, multiple times in her life, um, she has been kind of flash mobbed prayered by strangers where they like surround her and start praying for her to be healed of her cancer. She's not a cancer patient. They never asked if she wanted to be prayed for. In fact, she said, it's a little bit unnerving when like a group of people walk up and surround you and start touching you. 
Prayer starts with relationship. And Hannah has a relationship with God in such a way that when she prays to God, she knows that this is a conversation that she is going to lean into and that she is going to pour out all of her heart here. To connect with each other in that type of prayer, we need to be ready to know what it is we're going to pray for and to ask even the questions that might make us feel dumb. That when we pray for each other, we know what is it that's being asked for. And how can we pray, not in a way that's distracting, because that's not at all what I said, but in a way that even as we pray together, that we can pray with all of our hearts. And that sometimes we just need to be able to sit with each other and pray when, as the Apostle Paul says, there are no words. Hannah's faith in God starts with the fact that she believes that she has been heard. Aaron pointed out this week uh, that, you know, the way that now your, your messages, your text messages can come with a red receipt, and even before someone responds to you, you will know that they read it because it will give you a little red receipt. I do not have that enabled on my phone. I don't know why. But all that Hannah has at this point is a red receipt. She believes that God has heard her prayer, that she has been heard, that she has not been forgotten. And that is enough to change her. It doesn't mean her prayer life is over, but it continues. And it's enough for her to carry it differently. And it's enough, after being misunderstood by her husband and by Eli, that she has faith that God sees her accurately. God is not misunderstanding her because she has poured out all of her heart. Do you have faith that the one you're praying to sees you accurately in all of your fullness? In fact, that can make us even just a little bit uncomfortable. And if there's anything that we could learn in prayer, it would be to push through that and to maintain the belief that God sees us fully. Even when what's going to happen next is uncertain, even when the answer to prayer is unclear or hasn't been seen, but to know that the one who I have prayed to sees me and will not forget me. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they are almost indistinguishable. Our faith is not fueled by prayers answered, but our faith is founded on the belief that God heard us and that God loves us. That God hears us because he loves us, and he loves to hear from us. How shall we pray? With all of our hearts, with no holding back, no mask between us and God. We pray in such a way that it can be, our private prayer life could be misunderstood by others. And maybe even some of the audacity with which we pray can sound a little bit out there, a little bit of a high ask. But with all of our heart before the Lord, like Hannah, the first thing that changes is us when we pray. Friends, how do you know you're being listened to? All kinds of ways to practice that with people around us.
And when it comes to praying with God, we first know that we are being listened to through faith in one who sees us clearly and in one whom we also wish to see clearly. Her face was no longer downcast. Amen. As we close today in prayer, we're going to go slow. We're not going to use as many words. And I know that for some, there is a nice rhythm, and often what we do is we deliver on a a good movement of prayer, and the words are good, and they are heartfelt, and they are carefully chosen. Today, we're just going to go a little bit slower. There's a few prayer requests just to share this week. Um, If you're aware, this is a big week of appointments for a few folks. Um, There's some travel going on for ongoing situations and hopefully for direction. We don't know what change in circumstances will come, so today we're just going to hold on to the fact that appointments at, at U of M and elsewhere, we're going to hold those before the Lord and, like Hannah, say, Remember, O God, and do not forget your servant. We're going to pray for school, for teachers, parents, students, administrators, for all of the stress that we hold with that, And also, you'll probably see about it later on the news, but there was a a boating accident yesterday. And uh, the reason that this especially comes close to us is uh, um, a very good friend of um, Alex and Emily Doherty, so Emily Van Isle and her husband. Um, One of Alex and Emily's friends is missing, and uh, they will resume the search. For them, this is a tremendous loss, and the circumstances will be hard to bear. And so even for the family and for Alex and Emily, we're going to pray this morning for God to see them and for the faith that they are heard when they pray with grief before the Lord. So with just a few requests, with space between, I invite you to offer your own prayers. And you can do it like Hannah did it. You could pray in your heart. You can pray with your lips moving and not speaking. Or you can pray out loud. But in any case, make this time count. Be led into this time, knowing that God sees us. And that this moment is not just a function of the service, but that this is an invitation to say, Look at me, God, so I know you're listening. And I will look at you so that you know that I'm listening and that you're the only one I'm talking to right now. With these requests before the Lord, let's pray.